Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live the First Amendment and Free Speech Podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Today I read the case Carroll v. State, 701-SW-2D-913, Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, 1986. This case is a good case to look at like all our other cases because it shows people are fighting the good fight. There are people out there who are fighting the bad fight, yet there are people fighting the good fight. So what happened here? It says, quote, This is an appeal from a conviction for the misdemeanor offense of obscenity under VTCA Penal Code Section 43.23C. The appellant pled not guilty and was tried and convicted by the trial court. The trial court found that the appellant, knowing the content and character of the material, did intentionally sell N.D. Wong obscene material, namely a magazine entitled Super Number 3. The trial court sentenced the appellant to 10 days confinement and a $500 fine. End quote. It says misdemeanor offense. A misdemeanor offense is too much. Fortunately, at least it's not a felony offense. $500 is too much. 10 days confinement is too much. And like I always like to point out, this was back in 1986, so you got just $500 fine for inflation. Has anyone read Super Number 3? Unlike other covers, that title alone is not very descriptive. So I wonder what it was like. If you've read that by chance, which would make you rare, because that was a long time ago and it was declared obscene, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Did you think it would be obscene? Let me know. The big bone of contention in this trial is whether the appellant, Stephen Wesley Carroll, quote, knew the contents and character of the magazine, end quote. That is a big issue in obscenity trials because they have to know that in order for it to be deemed obscene. So these trials try to determine whether they did know. The court says, quote, Eyewitness testimony of a vendor's perusal of the contents of a magazine or a book is not an absolute necessary element in proving that the vendor knew the character and contents of the books or magazines he sells. Circumstance, circumstantial evidence may justify a finding that the vendor knows that the character and content of the magazine or book is obscene. End quote. And then they list cases where they discuss this principle. They continue to say, quote, This court must view evidence in light most favorable to the court's judgment. The evidence in, this, in the instant case is sufficient to prove that the appellant knew the character and content of the magazine number three. End quote. As we discussed above, they're saying... One way to determine whether someone notes, knows the contents and character of the magazine is to have someone observe that they did. And then, barring that, the second best thing would be circumstantial, circumstantial evidence. Even legal novices know that circumstantial evidence is not the best thing. It's better than nothing for the state, but you want to have the first-rate testimony. The decision says, quote, this court must view, I'm sorry, this, 
It says, quote, On the day in question, the appellant picked up several boxes at United Partial Service and took them to the Palace Bookstore at 7637 Long Point in Harris County. The boxes were addressed to either Stephen W. Carroll or Empire Distributing at 1307 Willquest Drive, number 259. When Officer Wong entered the Palace Bookstore, he observed the contents of the store. Photographs were admitted in evidence to support his observations. Wong first observed the appellant standing at a display counter, unloading the magazines from the boxes. What appears to be obscene devices were on display at the counter, with the price of the sale clearly marked. At several shelves around the store, magazines whose cover depicted ultimate sexual acts, normal or perverted, actual or simulated, were on display on the shelves. Numerous signs with the words, hardcore, were displayed on the magazine shelves. Displays of the movie stills, which depict the same as the magazine covers, advertised that the movies were available for viewing for 25 cents, and on the pictures are the words, dirty movies. When Wong saw the appellant taking the magazines from the box, one of the boxes were already empty. Wong observed the appellant take the magazines one at a time and place them in a plastic cellophane wrapper. Then appellant handed the magazines to Mr. Pavetto, who would seal the magazines with a heat lamp. After the wrappers were sealed, appellant placed the magazines on the shelves shown in the state's photographic exhibits. Wong testified during this process, appellant saw the cover of the magazine, Super Number 3, at least twice. Then the state offered the magazine into evidence. Appellant did not object. Wong stated that he knew appellant removed the magazine from the box, placed it in a wrapper and display it on the shelf. Wong picked it off the shelf and bought it. He gave the magazine and $20 to Appellant, who then handed the money to Mr. Pebble to make change for the purchase. Pebble returned the magazine and changed to Officer Wong. End quote. The advertising at this store is interesting. It says hardcore. Isn't that a given? I can't imagine someone saying, having a sign that says softcore. And then... The words dirty movies, wouldn't that be assumed when you're walking into a porn shop? Would there ever be a sign that says clean movies? In a porn shop, at least? So what do you think about that? Does, from that description above, do you think it sounds like Stephen Carroll knew the contents and character of the magazine? What about the $20 cost? What would $20 be today? 30 years later? Does that testify to the worth of the magazine? What do you think? So the court didn't find anything persuasive by the appellant, who initially won the Court of Appeals, but the state appeal that. So they say, quote, we reverse the decision of the Court of Appeals and affirm the judgment and conviction of the trial court, end quote. There's a long dissenting opinion in this case. The dissenting opinion looks like it's even longer than the decision, the opinion itself. And it centers around the issue of whether the appellant, quote, knew the contents and character of the magazine. For example, this judge says, quote, Furthermore, in Sheely v. State, this court expressly stated that the fact that the cover of a magazine might be objectionable does not make the magazine legally obscene. It is the content and character of the magazine, not the cover, which determines whether the magazine is legally obscene, end quote. So I suppose 
you might have to actually have seen the insight from cover to cover rather than just glance at it in a sale. So you can't just assume by the cover. Isn't there a saying that we've heard? You can't judge a book by its cover. I have a habit of reading everything in these cases, even the footnotes. Some people might glance over the footnotes. Sometimes the footnotes are just a little elaboration on what's going on. Sometimes they give a little context. Sometimes they don't add much. But in this case, I saw a judge make a sarcastic comment. So judges have edgy humor sometimes too. It says, quote, In light of the majority opinion after today, promoters of obscene material should put a photograph of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or something similar on the front and back covers of all their magazines. End quote. Way to put it. What a gem. What a gem. So what do you think about this trial? This goes to show that this is definitely a battle. You may win one round, but not the next. The appellant was guilty, appealed it to the Court of Appeals. They said no. Then the state appealed to the highest level. They said yes. So what do you think about that? How will you advance the First Amendment, freedom of speech, and third parties today? Long live the First Amendment and free speech. Goodbye.